Let's go. Escobar on the beat. King Legend Talks. Fire Radio. 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 King Legend Talks. so much for tapping in right now i got a wonderful special guest in the building i mean i can't make this guy up his reputation speaks for itself this is miguel nunez jr you might know him as joanna man you might know him as biscuit from the movie life you might know him as harris from the family business depending on what you, and you might as, know him as miguel nunez exactly there's so many different hats that he wears right now guys I'm trying to tell you, this guy's been working, and his story is so inspirational. So I had to get him on the platform today. I said, when I was looking at his his information, I said, man, this guy's story here is is almost unbelievable. I mean, the stuff that people go through that you don't see. You know, a lot of people see the, the success. They see the, the, the end result of the hard work that you put in. A lot of people really don't see the grind that people really put forward, that first initial step, taking those risks when everyone was telling you, no, you're never going to amount to anything. You know, no one really sees that moment. And so that's what we do here on this podcast. We like to we like to shine light on those moments and let people know, hey, you're not the only one that goes through situations. Everybody goes through stuff. And that is not an excuse. Okay, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to get right here to it. You know, Miguel Nunez Jr., how are you doing today? Welcome to the platform. I'm blessed, brother. I can't complain. It doesn't do any good. I'm living my life. I'm just sitting here chilling. I avoid, I avoid all the people who don't want to take the vaccination vaccine, which is ignorance. But you know that's a whole different story. But so I'm chilling. Yeah, you gotta be safe. And so I'm gonna just go ahead and address the elephant in the room, because everyone's gonna want to talk about Joanna Man. And I know there's so much to Miguel Nunez Jr. than Joanna Man. But I'm going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room. You and can't get, get away from it. You can't right. get away from it. It is what it is. So, <laughs> so how does it feel to be part of such an iconic role such as Joanna Man, the movie? I don't know, brother. I swear to you. I, I don't know any of that stuff. Everybody says, what's the best role you've ever played? They've all been the best role that I've ever played. So do you feel any type of way when people see you and they address you as Joanna Man? They they go Not out in public and they see you like, hey, Joanna man. Everywhere I go, bro, that's what that's what this business is. That's how this business is. 
it's weird because a friend of mine go out and it's like the movie was done in 2006. And this was like a couple of months ago. He was like, my God, everywhere we go, he was like, dude, what the hell? When did this movie come out? It's like it came out last week. People love right. the film. And you can't get mad at people for doing anything. I never get mad at anybody. I always say, why are you so approachable? And here is why. Uh, um, Eddie Murphy told me this a long time ago. And I stuck to it. Because everybody be like, hey, come out of here. And I have to tell you incidents where I've been in a store and I'm standing here like this. This is the line going this way. And there's a lady behind me right here going like this, looking around me going, you know who you is. <laughs> Right? And I look back at it, and then the guy behind her, and I got a suit on, the guy behind her goes, no, who is he? She grabs me like this, turns me around to show me to that what? guy. I never get mad at anybody for anything. Everybody says, why are you so approachable? And right. it was because Eddie told me this a long time ago. You have to remember this. It, one thing, it goes with the territory. So if, you, if you're that kind of person, you shouldn't be in this business. Mm -hmm. um, where people are going to recognize you everywhere you go because you want to, you know, you can't be in a business where you're going to be on a TV and on the screen and people are going to recognize you. Then you get freaked out because people recognize you. Right. It doesn't make sense. But he said it like this. He put it this way to me. You've been on TV for so long. My first TV show was 1987. Mm -hmm. They all sit there and then and they talk about that movie they saw you in the other day or the other night. Now they all get ready. They sitting on the couch and they watch something you're in. Uh, one of the TV shows, Tour of Duty, the first show was on three years ago, gained a lot of fans. Sparks was on three years ago, gained a lot of fans. Uh, mm -hmm. All this stuff. So now it's you and them in that house. So they have literally grown up with you in the sanctity of their house, in the private of their moments. They've laughed with you. Right. They've cried with you when you got killed. You know, they, they laugh with you. So that's why when they see you, it's Aaron. And they, they feel like they know you. And that's where it comes with. They, they actually feel like they know you've been a part of their family mm -hmm. for so long. And when I see people and they're like, they're, oh, they're blind. It's like, I, they, I feel like I'm a part of that person's family. And I always address them as if I were. That makes a lot of that's sense when you explain it like that. What inspired you to become an actor? Like, what are, where did the whole, I want to be an actor or I'm going to be an actor idea come from? Never, I can tell you that answer either. From the time I was three years old, the time I could speak, my mom said the first time she ever spanked me, because I wasn't raising my mother, I was raising my grandparents. She came on and spanked us for something, and I didn't understand her spanking me. And she said, the first thing I said to her, when I become a movie star, I'm not going to buy you nothing. From the moment I could speak, I told every single body who would listen exactly what mm -hmm. happened in my, my life right now. I was on a farm way back called Wilson, North Carolina, deep, 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 deep Wilson, North Carolina. And we were out in the country. We had cows, chicken, and tobacco, our crop tobacco, stick tobacco, hung tobacco, truck tobacco. And then I worked in a tobacco factory after mm -hmm. the, the field was done. And as a matter of fact, the first check I got was at, from a, 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 a tobacco factory, which I used to run away to Hollywood. Oh, okay. And, and and every single day of my life, I told everybody, I'm, I'm gonna run away to California. Talk like this when I got here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna as soon as I graduate in school, I'm gonna run away to California. I'm gonna run away to Hollywood, and I'm gonna be a movie star. I guarantee you. I guarantee everybody's like, say, you're too ugly, you're too skinny, you're poor, you're black, you're on a farm. It's not humanly possible. And I understand what they were thinking. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and they were saying, you know, they got actors in schools and colleges in New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Hollywood, agents, managers, lawyers. 
There's no right. way possible your skinny little ugly black ass is going to go out there and get in front of them. You have to think about something. You you make A's and B's. You gotta you can do think about something that that's what I was told my entire life. It's impossible. Mm. When I got in the seventh grade, I got a jean jacket, which I can still wear to this day, uh, and I, I um. Put, took a big black magic marker and wrote Hollywood on the back of my jacket because I always told people, I'm, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to run away to Hollywood. I'm just going to become a movie star. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be in the movies. And everywhere I went, every time I would come around, they said, yeah, shh, 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 go go there, go. He going to talk about Hollywood. That's all I ever said. I graduated June, uh, July, July, August, September, October. I got my first check from the tobacco warehouse. I made a bologna sandwich, three bologna sandwiches. I wrote a note to my grandparents and said, I'm running away to Hollywood and I'm gonna make something out of myself. Wow. And I went to the bus station. I walked in the bus station. I gotta get a ticket to Hollywood. They said, no. So they said, you can go to Los Angeles. I said, okay, I just California. Yeah, I'll take it. Bought me a ticket, went in the back. Now I look, and I remember when I graduated from high school, I only weighed 75 pounds. Right. And I was 4'11". I looked like I was eight or nine, 10. And my grandparents would have saw me, they would have beat me. So I'm hiding in the back of the bus. And I just, once it got out of town, all I thought about from that point on, never realized the seriousness of what I had done. Mm -hmm. I just was thinking, I knew it. And the difference, and this is why I tell kids, and this is what you got to listen to, to, uh, to uh, 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 guys. It doesn't matter what anybody says you are capable of doing. Don't never let anybody kill your dream. They can tell you a hundred reasons why you won't do something, but nobody can tell you what you can do. You can do anything, but you have to 100%. I, when I got here was the first time I seriously realized the seriousness of what I'd done because I found this out later. Mm -hmm. I was at Trailway Station. Trailways goes downtown to Skid Row, the absolute hands down worst street in the entire state of California. Wow. Greyhound went to Hollywood. I didn't know that time. So when I got downtown, I, I was I was fresh out of school. I, 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 I didn't know what to think. I was scared. I was hungry. I wasn't going to call home. And I had $2 left. I went into a bus, uh, a movie theater because it was all night for a dollar. At least I could be inside. It was started getting cold. Guy tried to attack me. I pulled my razor out on him. Went behind the bus station, started sleeping behind the bus station. I slept in the street. I would sell my blood just to eat. I would go in, uh, uh, and I was sleeping on a park bench downtown LA. But let me, before I go on further, this is wow. what I'm saying. You have to truly 100% believe. I would went to a mission and I would wake up with lice, lice all day long, lice. Because it was just a place where bums could go, just lice. And they would all call me young blood. Why are you here? I thought I was a child. And and you get sprayed for poison and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is why you have to 100% believe. What happened to me and what I went through is exactly what people who don't have enough faith in themselves, who think, if I would have thought I wanted to be an actor, if I would just wanted to be an actor, any of that, mm -hmm. when you are put through the fire, the only thing that kept me going was I knew it was going to happen. I believed it was going to happen. And when people come to Hollywood, uh, cute girls and end up on the stripper pole, guys who end up out there, they're selling drugs and whatever and whatever and all this stuff, lose their dreams and hopes. They lose all hope because they don't have that 
whatever it would take to make a person live in the street, down behind a bus station, wake up with lights on, not eat for two or three weeks, sit on a bus stop and wait for somebody to leave something to eat, then wait for everybody to get on that bus and come back. So the next people think it was yours anyway. And they won't, they won't last. And I did. And I don't know where it came from. It could have come from my mom, but I don't think so because I never really thought about her. Because my mother, right. my mother wrote, it's a man's world. James Brown's biggest hit. That was my mom. My mom was a writer, the owner of that song. She wow, that so song. your mom wrote the song for James Brown. My mom wrote, it's a man's world, yes. But my mom was living in New wow. York, living the hive. And she gave us to our grandmother because she didn't want anybody to know that she had kids. But that's a whole different story. So anyway, right. so I, but she was on a TV show way back then. So she was on a show called Hollabaloo, and that was when we were babies. It was the first like American bandstand. You probably so uh, so. What I want you to do, you. what I want you to do for me is take me through the mind of a person that has two dollars in their pocket, just hit Hollywood, and just got off the bus. What are you thinking? I can't answer that question because, and this is how I tell this story always. And I started out with the just like this. When I got here. I never realized the seriousness of what I thought. I literally thought it was going to be, you know, those big movie lights going around all around in the sky and limousines. That's what I thought. And when I landed mm -hmm. on Skid Row, the nastiest, dirtiest, slimiest, scummiest place anybody could, it looked like Tijuana. I just, everything dropped. That's when I realized what I had done. But the only thing that kept me, not right. the only thing that just gonna make me go, I made a mistake. <laughs> not all of that was, I still knew it. But I just, I t and literally, and this is how I tell the story, and I'll tell you in just the same way to answer your question. I think for a week or two weeks, I walked around, I didn't even know what to think. I didn't, my mind, I could not think. It took me two weeks before I could really think, just sleeping behind that bus station. I couldn't get a job. Once you get a job, your address, okay, yeah, phone number, uh, okay, experience, uh, okay. Uh, I, I just, I didn't know what to think. I just, even when I walked, I wasn't looking. I wasn't, you know, we see people walk, blah, blah, the horn blow. And I, I just didn't know what to think. And now remember, I was like, I, have, I graduated 17 because my birthday comes in August. Right. So I just turned 18, 19 years old. But technically, I was because I was raised on a farm. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. My grandmother was, my grandfather was a preacher. We owned a church right next door. I went to church every Sunday. I sung in the choir. I couldn't say, damn it. I never smoked, never drank, never lied, never stole. I never did anything wrong. Never spoke to anybody the wrong way. Never done anything. I was probably the closest to Jesus to anybody on the planet at the time. Mm -hmm. So when I first got here, that's how I was. Anything you set out to do, if you ain't got God in it, it's not going to be successful. I prayed every day. It was the closest I'd ever been. I remember I would be walking the street going, I wake up in the morning and go, hey, God. Like, it was the only person I knew. It was like, that's when I first learned about a serious personal relationship. That's the close brother. I promise you. I'd be walking that street, so wait, wait, where should I go eat? And I literally, not just saying it, not crazy person, really seriously, that was the only person I could talk to. And I talked to him about everything. And let me tell you how God worked. October. November, December. I remember I had made three friends on Skid Row. It's about five minutes to 12. And I, everybody says, hey, it's Christmas back. It's already Christmas in New York. Because Sam and Keegan was from New York. And, I, and, I, and I'm the youngest. What the youngest looking? And I kind of walked back. And I started walking behind them because I got really sad. And I started, my, you know, I started getting wanting to cry because that was the best time to be in that house in North Carolina. We didn't get no beatings around Christmas times. And mm -hmm. it was just the best time. We could eat all the fruit and everything you wanted, all the family there. 
and I started getting sad, and I said this verbatim. And Gary Kike and Sam in front of me, I'm looking at them because I didn't want them to turn around and see me. Because they always said, stop acting, you know, because you know, I, I was pure. And I remember I kept looking right. at them. And I see them talking and looking down like I'm looking now. And I'm looking at them talking and looking down like that. So I knew it was God. And I said, dear God, please, please, God, you can't let it be like this. You just can't let it be like this. The moment I opened up my eyes, I looked down. There's a wad. $250 on the sidewalk, $250, $150, whatever it was, on the uh -huh. sidewalk in 20s. Wow. I take, take, I take, and know they would have saw it. There's no way they wouldn't have saw it, seen it. We go to the movies, and we all coming out. Now, downtown in LA on Broadway, the stores they just have a little counter, a little, little counter, and they slide your stuff. You say, give me one of those, and, and that kind of stuff. Now, walking in front, mm -hmm. I got a little, I got money, we done ate. We had hot dog, all this stuff. Everybody, we good. I got money in my pocket still. And I look up and I'm going, ho, ho, hey, hey, look. And sitting at 2 in the morning, nobody else out. The movie the theater is going out. Everything closed. Is a huge box. All in white with a white bow. A present. And I grab it and I say, hey, look, somebody left that present. And a white guy passed me and goes, yeah, it's yours now. I, did, I got a, a big ass present in a hundred and eighty and two hundred. God answered your prayer immediately. That was instant. come on. That had to be God, and I can tell you so many, many, many more instances where it was. But I prayed every day, and I still keep preparing. I tied faithfully. I, I, I try to do as much right. I can. I can. Everybody's failed. I fail a lot. Everybody's gonna fail a lot because so, that's why I accept Jesus. Because Jesus, once you accept Jesus, you're forgiven for your sins. So that's here's the, the, the author right. finish of my faith. Jesus came to die not for the sins you committed. Jesus is the capitulation of sin. So he came and died for the sins you committed Amen. and the ones you will commit. And that was, that brings me to to my next question: How how do you navigate Hollywood as a Christian? in today's society? I don't, I don't mix my Hollywood with my Christian belief. My Christian belief goes through Hollywood. What is happening is people are taking their Christian belief into Hollywood and then they're mixing it with Hollywood. My Christian belief goes with me through Hollywood. I, I, my Christian belief never changes. And my Christian, my Christian belief never changes. The world is supposed to conform to the word of God. The word of God is never supposed to conform to the world. And but that is what's happening. Churches are now starting to conform to the word of to the world as opposed to conforming to the word of God. And that's what's happening. That's true. That's true. So so now you've been in the game for many, many years now. Um, you had many experiences in your career. Um, can you name some of the just maybe just one? one of your most memorable moments in your career as an actor? One moment that just kind of just sticks out to you, like, I'll never forget that. I think the most memorable moment was when I got uh, my first TV series, Tour of Duty. Because, you know, it was like I was fresh off being homeless. And I think it was the biggest moment because it was the most, it was, I, I, I hadn't had anything yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it would have to be when they told me I got this series and I'm going to be on a drama TV series on CBS making $10,500 a week for 22 weeks and shooting in Hawaii. 
I my friend. <laughs> That's a breakthrough friend, right there. Twenty two weeks is twenty two checks because you shoot an episode a week. Right. And we made ten thousand five hundred. I never had a bank account the first season. I just took every check at the bank and did like this and put it in my pocket and spent it. Every single wow. month. But then the second season was uh, 17500 a week, 22 weeks. Then the third season was 27500 a week. But what I did was when I spent every dime of the first season, the second and the third, I went, I, car, I already bought two or three Mercedes. Oh, I had bought, I, I bought out. I didn't want anything. I ended up being able to save and invest. Right. So that helps me. And so now from a business point of view, what have you learned about business in the entertainment industry? Um, just for those actors out there that's pursuing a dream right now, and they really don't have a big blueprint to follow. Listen, my thing is to you, learn everything that you can possibly learn. When the actors would get all run around, I would always be up with the camera. Okay, so what does this stop mean? Okay, I got to a point where, you know, back then when we used to do this, when they used to have to go up to the sun and take that little piece and look at it and then call the camera. So go to six to, I, I got to the point where I, I can knew. I learned to stop some of this asking. I learned the camera. I watched it direct. Learn everything you can learn because you're going to want to go into that. And you don't want to just become an actor. You want to become a, you want to know. You want to be a director. You want to know. And they say people right now are shadowing directors. They're shadowing directors. Mm -hmm. Studios are hiring them to shadow directors so they can become it. I was shadowing director on every set I've ever been on. You don't have to be hired to shadow a director. You can call and look and watch. And you are shadowing a director and learn everything you can. Learn the angles, learn the shots, learn everything that you can possibly learn. That's what I did. When I first started, I used to sneak into the studios. And this is a, this I is heard a, a story about a, that. Yeah. Yeah, this is another one. Don't let nobody tell you you can't do something. I went up there and said, hey, my friend, I want to I wanna go into Universal Studios, stu studios. So doing what I said I wanted to do. I want to go learn. I want to watch. I want to go into the studio, and uh, um, I'm going to go to Universal. They said, man, get out of here. They ain't going to let you do that. Man, get out of here. What y'all, but they ain't going to let me do it. So I go up to the Universal Studio, and I'm about eight pounds now. <laughs> I look like a, a Q-tip with a grape on the top. Mm-hmm. And I walk up to the gate and I say, hey, my name is Miguel Nunez. I'm with North Carolina. And I came in to be an actor. And I just like to know if I can walk around on the stage, I'm not going to be in anybody's way. I'm going to back. I just want to look and learn so I can become an actor. He said, man, get your skinny ass out of here. You can't do that. So then I walk in there. Wait a minute. He said, they ain't going to let me. He said, you can't. I didn't understand that. That's the concept to this day. I don't understand because you can do anything. So anyway, I right. just started looking up. I said, hey, they have a tour at the Universal Studio. So I sold my blood plasma, sold my blood plasma. You got $7, probably a lot more now. You got $7. You can probably do it in every city right now. You got $7 if you sold right. your blood plasma. If you came twice in the, in the same week, the next, next time you do it, you get $14. Probably, you know, $150 more now. So anyway, I did. Wow. I saved my money. I saved my money. So I took that Universal Studio tour. And then I'm watching and watching and watching and watching and watching. And then I go, got him. So I get off, take the tour to the end. And I do it another two or three weeks, save up my money, save my money, go back, take the Universal Studio tour again. As I pour it on the tram when the lady gets off, she says, all right, everybody, come this way. Okay, we're going to walk inside that building. This is not the real deal, but you're going to see how they shoot movies and TV shows. Okay? All right, let's go. Come on, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And while everybody was going this way, this way, this way, I went that way, that way, that way, that way, that way. <laughs> right. And I walked around to the studios and went around and went inside. I was watching all these TV shows and movies. I found out that the last tram out, I just stayed there. I watched it went on another stage. I went in the top. I wasn't trying to be all, hey, I want to be, hey. I just been quiet. And I did exactly 
what I said I wanted to do, what everybody said, he said they ain't going to let me. What the guy said at the gate, I can't do. That's determination right there. You literally sold your blood to, to get the money. You saved up for it to get on the tour, just to get in the gate. And then once you, you gotta got to, there, you gotta be willing to take risks. People are not willing. People want so much, and they want to do so much, and they, 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 their lives, they, they see another life for them themselves, but they just won't take the risk. I ain't never been to no damn. I mean, I was three years old. I was born in New York since I was little. I think we've taken another client about three or five, something like that. Mm -hmm. But and I've been to visit my mom a couple of times, but I was still little. But I've never been to no city. I have no money, no relatives, no nothing, nowhere to stay, nothing. Every step I took, I lost. You gotta be willing to go through the fire. And then at the end of the fire, that's where your reward is gonna be, period. If your life was made into a movie, what would, the, what would you title it? And what chapter would you be writing right now? It would be called My Incredible Journey. And what chapter am I writing right now? I'm almost at the end, because I'm telling you right now, I'm not ready to give it up. I've done, I've done well. I'm, I'm financially set for life if I never got out of the bed through investments. Um, if I never got out of the bed, I would every bill I got could be paid and do whatever I want through sound of it. It's not what you make. It's what you do with the money. And to all you actors out there, you get on a TV show, Cash is King. Mm -hmm. Save your money. Invest in yourself. Invest in your ideas. Tyler Perry is a prime example. Tyler Perry was in his business. He got tired of going to auditioning and then doing a great job and killing it. And then they said, oh, no, and then give it to somebody else for the wrong reasons. All these other stuff. He's, you know what? Forget all that. I'm going to create my own avenue. Got to invest in yourself, man. People are spending, you know, I see people spending $100 bagels and weed over here, you know, $80 over here only getting their toes and nails done every two weeks. Hey, look, walk around with claws for three months. There are mm -hmm. home-based businesses you can start for $59. There are kids right now who are starting home-based businesses right now with $1,000. There's a girl who took a $2,000 stimulus and turned it into a $100,000 business. You have to start investing in yourself. In your own neighborhood, in your own situation, there's so many things. These kids, young kids right now, see, you need to have them on every, every other day to have some young kid who took advantage of the situation with the lockdown and the current virus situation and turned it into a home-based business. I'm sure there are people locked down in your neighborhoods who don't have uh, uh, delivery to bring them food and da da da. You could create helping hands uh, 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 service, delivery service. Mm -hmm. Boom, get four or five people. You guys put in, dude, it's so many things people just don't want to put in the work. They want that's the important. You got to put in the work. You know, it's easy to say, I want to be a out. boss, but you got to be the best employee too. You know, you, you yes. have to know how to run the operation to be the boss, you know. It's Absolutely. not just something that you can just wear as a title. You know, you really do have to put in the work, and it takes a lot, a lot of hard work, and you have to be consistent. You know, a lot of people give up easy. And, and it, just using your situation as an example, if you had given up when you first got to Hollywood and said, hey, I'm homeless, I'm going to go back home, you know, I, I'm not going to stay here in Hollywood. This ain't what I thought it was going to be. That's just not enough wanting to do something. You know, you, you have to really see yourself there already. So that way, you know, you were just in the process. This is part of the process of making it happen. This is part of the process that I'm going through to reach the destination. And so I think that's a 
great, great ex example that you gave us with your life um, experience right there because a lot of people can relate to that. You know, it's easy to quit. You put it. That's a good way you yeah. put it because technically, technically that is exactly what happened. I didn't. I yeah. saw from the moment I left, from the moment I said I want to go, from the moment I cashed that check and went and bought that bus ticket, I didn't see all of the, the, the lights and the streets and the bus station and this. I saw the finish line. I saw the finish line. I saw what I saw me. I'm going to be a movie. I'm going to be on TV. I saw that. Whatever in the middle is going to be rough and tough because these people already told me there's people that's over there. There's people that's doing this. Those people that's doing that, that. So I know this is going to be some rough waters. But I know I'm going to be there. So whatever the hell is going to happen through here, I must, I must be mm -hmm. going to get through it. And I, and I damn right. sure can't get there if I go back home. So I know that's not part of the option. And again, it all goes down to having the most amazing, incredible faith in whatever it is you set out to do. And don't let anybody change your mind. And don't let any situation stop you from getting it. And if somebody tells you, you no, know, figure out another way. And if you don't have to figure it out, you got to work it out. Because when I first started working, I'll give you another example of not figuring it out, but working it out. When I started first coming up mm -hmm. later on, I started getting stuff and we had pages. So now I'll be at a job and I would always go to jobs and start in the mail room and it take me a year. I'd be running this shit. And I'm gonna tell you how and why. <laughs> I had pages. So I would work at all these big companies. I would go to a company and start with a, it with a big one, you know, a warehouse of mortgage. Oh, I'm working, working to come back uh, Tuesday. Uh, I oh, shoot. I got a call back. They want to see me Thursday. And they make another excuse. After a while, I would end up getting fired from my jobs. Eventually, they couldn't do it. You know, right. I remember the last job I walked in, I walked into, I had, a, I, I, this was my third callback, you know, this was the big one. And I had a mm -hmm. line like three times a week. So the only way I could get out of this one for the big one, I walked right up to my boss desk doing like this. I said, hey, listen, I just came from the bathroom without <laughs> something crawling on me. And he said, go, 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 go. I knew I could get out like that. <laughs> And that's the truth. The next job I went to was a warehouse and mortgage company. And we had to add up the checks. You get two piles of check about this thing. They had to match the whatever. And you had to add them up with the 10 key add machine. Mm. And you had to add each one of those up twice to make sure they all uh, uh, added up. That's okay for you. I skipped every lunch. I skipped every break. I never went to lunch. I made my own sandwiches. And I started doing like this. So I learned about tech. I did, the next thing I know, I was like this. I did more than everybody in that room put together. Next thing you know, somebody didn't come in to work that day. They go, oh, what's going to call Tim? I said, no, 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 no. They said, no, 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 no. Now just give, her, give Miguel her stuff. So now I'm doing the work of two people. Everybody get a big basket in the morning. Mm -hmm. My two baskets were gone most, before most of those people were gone. So they knew I could handle three. Wow. Because I did it by touch. Yeah. I was like Grrr, all day. I made myself more valuable to him. So they wouldn't let me. I could miss as many days as I want. Fire me is like fire. Because after two people stopped coming, they didn't even hire the other two because I had the same I carried the same workload. So now they didn't they wouldn't they couldn't fire me. You the were next company, I end up I end up leaving that company for a better job 
and the same the next company I did the same thing. Never took a break. Never took lunch for a year. I walked around to every department because it was so big. Different department got lunch at different times, mm -hmm. and I would go down and say, "Okay, tell me what you do." And I learned everything in that department, everything in this department, everything in that department. And after a while, they would say, "Call temporary." I say, "Hey, Mr. Thurman, that was his name. I know how to do that." Oh, really? All right. Then the next time, call that. Out. I say, "Hey, I, Mr. Thurman, I, I, I know how to do that." By the time next thing you know, I got my own desk. I can miss as many days I want. Mr. Thurman ain't say shit. <laughs> I worked my way to being so valuable. That was the only way that you can't just get rid of me because that's like getting rid of four or five people. That is such you a gotta big... Make your way or you got to work your way through it, no matter what it takes. And I didn't care if it took me a year. Yeah. I'm going to do it because I know I'm going to be over there. And you got to see the finish line of your dream. If you don't see the finish line of your dream, it's not a dream. It's just hope. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, a question. I hope I get somewhere. Do but what's down there? I, I hope is what I'm going for. Do you believe people should show their worth or should just know their worth? Because there is a difference. So, like, when you Say show again? your worth, it's, I say, do you believe people should show their worth or just know their worth? Because there's a difference. Because when you know your worth, you don't do stuff because you feel like I already know my value. I know where I'm at in the marketplace. When you show your worth, it's like, I'm going to show myself to be approved, as in, this is my value. What is my worth? My worth to me is only, my worth is only matters to me. What I feel worth is, I think my worth only matters to how many people I can help and touch. That's my worth to me. Everything else is just my achievements, my success, and the things I've done, mm -hmm. and the things that I achieve. But my your worth to me is how much of a difference you can make in a positive, uplifting way to others. That determines your true worth. I mean, you, you have all the money Absolutely. in the world. That's not, that's not really worth. That's physical shit. And I, I promise you, I probably hang out and hung out with more millionaires than anybody in the history of the universe. And they all have the exact same thing. And I hang out with people in North Carolina and, and, and other places of the, of the United States who have just enough mm -hmm. to get by and are happy as hell. So it, it's not even right. about your, your physical worth. It's about your worth here. How much are you contributing? And I'm not even talking about money contributing in the uplifting of somebody. I'm just talking about visiting and saying hi, opening the door, making somebody smile. Every single day, one little thing you can do can have such an enormous, amazing effect that you never really even knew. And I've done that a thousand times and go back later and read somebody's response. When you open it, da 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 at this store, at this liquor store in uh, Tepelo, Mississippi, on this day, I never forgot that. And that changed the way I was. I agree with you 100%. It was a lot of value in what you just said. You know, a lot of people are thinking in the natural or the physical realm, you know, your worth is based on how much you got in your bank account. But in what you basically just said, your worth is, has everything to do with how you affect other people. How do you change the environment around you when you step into a room? and people look at you, it's almost like they know you're going to provide some information for them that could change their life forever. That is true worth. That's respect in so many different levels. So I definitely agree with you 100%. So right now, what motivates you to wake up in the morning? Like when you wake up, what's your drive? Like what do you want to accomplish? What makes my, my to me, all I want to do in, in every single day is learn something new because there's so much new stuff. I mean, I'm into this crypto thing like crazy. And um, um, 
uh, I mean, uh, every day I'm trying to learn something new. There's so many new and exciting things out there. And, and there's so many new and wonderful things out there you can explore right now. I'm just exploring new things. Every day I wake up, I want family business. We just finished our third season. And I'm not really running around looking to be in another movie in the summer, then do a TV show, and then be in a movie in the summer, and then be in a TV show. I pretty much enjoy just chilling on the time out. I mean, I do a few little things here and there, but I'm pretty much chilling, looking after my babies, and uh, that's about it. Now, speaking of the family business, y'all left us with a huge cliffhanger. That cliffhanger was Brother, so I big, I'm over nothing. here. Just I can't like, tell you nothing. I know, I know. I'm not going to try getting that out of you. But, but I can tell I'm you this. Wanna... I can tell you this. It's going to blow your mind this season. I, I believe it's gonna it. Blow, it even blew our mind. It hasn't like, slowed down. It has not slowed down one bit. The action. Like this the, we got the script. <laughs> oh. Everything about that series has not slowed down. It's been go, go, go the whole time. So I definitely. Brother, wait till you see. Third season is, is fire. I'm looking forward to it. So to go ahead and wrap the interview up, one of the questions I always ask my special guest on the show is what do you want to be remembered for, your legacy? When people talk about you, uh, what is one thing you want everyone to know about yourself? He was or a great actor and a really nice guy. That's it. He was a good actor there you and go. a really nice guy. Really nice guy. That, that's more so than those two things together. I'm sad. I, I, I'm happy. I could be great like this. That's it. Absolutely. Short, simple, and to the point. I do appreciate you so much for coming through here. My pleasure. To King Legend Talks. It was an awesome conversation. I feel really inspired from my conversation. I know a lot of other people feel the same way. Thank you, brother. I appreciate everybody out there. God bless you guys. Don't follow me at M. Nunez Jr. Hey everybody, it's your boy King Legend 757. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this interview. If you're interested in hearing more interviews or conversations just like this, do me a favor, follow the podcast on iHeartRadio or any other platform you may be listening in on. Also, do us another favor and go ahead and tap in on Instagram and hit King Legend 757 in your search bar so that way you can catch these interviews while we do them live with a live audience being you. So I appreciate you again for tapping into the interview and may God bless you and have a great 2021.